This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Red Wings trying to get the sweep. Three seconds left into the zone to the top of the standing Welcome to the Detroit Red Wing Alumni Association, Episode 12, Episode Jimmy Carson. So with that, I'm going to have Art Regner join me today. And Art, as Mac was saying a couple weeks ago, coming in on two wheels, got the hair flowing, everything else. Hey, Art, what's going on? Well, I'll tell you what, I know we're in some new digs now, and so... uh it took me a while to get my bearings, but uh, it won't happen again, Newman. I promise. No, no, no. You you take your time. It's always you know. We just did a real estate show on the show before this one, and one of my biggest pet peeves in life is the fact that real estate agents are late for everything. Drives me insane. So you know what? You were much earlier than most of the real estate agents I deal with. Okay. So well, good. With, That's good. With that, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on, you know, um, as we hit the off season, essentially for the Red Wing alumni, you know, we're not doing as many shows, but we're packed today. And those of you that like to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Red Wing Alumni, and you can always find us on Facebook at the DetroitRedWingAlumni.com. We've welcomed Art. What we've got on the show today, Art, is we're pretty, um, not myopic, but we're obviously going to talk about Kevin Allen's prediction a couple weeks ago about the Pittsburgh uh, right. Penguins. Right, he knew, he, he, had it, he had it right, he really Dude, did. Dude, he was spot on, that's just shit. You know, I wanted to be so mad at Kevin Allen for that, but he's been spot on on that. Have you watched most of it? Yeah, I've watched it all. I mean, I, you know, I've watched it. I've tried to watch the NBA final, which is really, you know, it's it's kind of weird because if you look at it, uh, you know, trying to, I, I, you shouldn't compare sports. I know that, but I was actually kind of looking forward to the NBA final as much as I was the NHL final. And oh. so, and so far, maybe tonight the Cavaliers will get it together. But this has been outstanding hockey. This has been great hockey, and uh, I, I, 
I, I feel bad because you know Pete DeBoer. I've known since he was the the, the Plymouth Whalers coach. And well, you guys all have the love affair with Joe Thornton too. And, and yeah, and then of course Joe Thornton. Well, I, the reason I have the love affair with Joe Thornton is when Eddie and I were doing our show together, we had Joe on. You know, Jumbo Joe on a couple of times, and you know, he has a great personality and. You know, the, the, that, uh, the NHL, uh, network used to do those commercials where, you know, it was Joe with, uh, he would look at himself in the pants and he goes, is, is my butt look big and stuff like that. You know, so he's self-evasing a little bit. So I, you know, and I feel bad for him, obviously, him and Patrick Marlowe, because it took him so long to get here finally. And it, it just does not look good. Well, it doesn't look good, but I mean, they're at least in a little bit better position than the Cavaliers. Uh, well, maybe not because, you know, the Cavaliers, they have to win four of the next five games against Golden State. A team that lost nine games, well, it, right in the regular season all year. In the regular, it's almost insurmountable. Hockey's a different animal. Obviously, you know, you get if your goaltender wakes up and he decides, you know what, nothing's getting in anywhere. But still, to be down three to one, I don't know. I mean, do you think it's done? Yeah, I do. I, I really, really do. You know, I think the interesting thing is, is if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that, you know, a guy, uh, you know, named Martin Jones and, you know, Matt Murray would be the goaltenders in the Stanley Cup final, I would have told you you were crazy. But, you know, that's hockey today. I mean, it, it has really become Newman, and we've talked about this. It's really become a young man's league now. I mean, really, it is getting younger and faster. No, and... wait a minute. What did Kenny Holland say? The kids are not the answer. Yeah, well, the kids are not the answer, but I think that Ken might want to modify that a little bit. I am not used to Kenny modifying pretty much anything. Well, no, I I know that. I I, I obviously know that. I'm just saying that, you know, if you look at it, though, uh, for, for, from, from that standpoint or from that aspect, uh, and, and, you know, and I go by what Jeff Blaschel said on uh, – uh, on exit day, you know, the day, the last day of the season where the Red Wings clean out their lockers and take their team picture, uh, he said, if we're going to really get better, really, really take the next level and compete, you know, for the Stanley Cup, our young players have to take it up a notch. And he was saying Nyquist and Tatar, you know, I think Larkin is there, actually. I really do. I think uh, Larkin's there but, also. Uh, you know, a guy like Bre- and Brendan Smith. Uh, you know, those guys are going to have to get better. And he says it's not easy, and you, you don't know if they have it in them, but like Athanasiu. Athanasiu next year, the Red Wings are counting on him. You know, I, I had a, a, a Jeff Blaschel on the air. I, I sat in for Matt Shepard on, on WDFN on Monday, and I had Blash on from like 9 o'clock till 9.30, like a complete half hour. And he and I, I said, you know, the one thing that struck me was that comment you made. He said, look, it, it's true. You know, the, the way the hard cap is – most teams sign their best players forever. I mean, they, they really lock them down. This St- Stamkos thing, this might be it as far as prime free agents. And I, when I mean prime free agents, a guy who's still 27, 28 years old, you know, you might get somebody, uh, you know, an aging star at 32 or 33 when he hits unrestricted free agency again or something, or, you know, that might happen. But I mean, to get a guy like Stamkos, even though he's had, you know, a little bit of history with injuries at this age, is almost unprecedented. It truly is. It's going to, and, and, you know, and, it's, and if this hard cap and as this league continues and teams keep signing their best young players, like, look, does anybody think that Dylan Larkin isn't going to be a career Red Wing? I don't. They're going to sign him. They're going to, you know, when he, you, now, 
if he has a great year or whatever, the, the next thing that the Red Wings will probably do is sign him to a long-term deal that takes him past 27, when, which would be the age that he could be an unrestricted free agent, if Larkin wants to. I mean, maybe Larkin wants to take it to 27 so he could be an unrestricted free agent. But if I'm the Red Wings, I do everything in my power to sign him up for the next seven, eight, nine years. But then again... The kid's only 19, so he but could sign a seven-year deal. Who does that benefit? Does this really right now benefit the players or the owners? Is this going to change with the next CBA? Well, I don't know. You know, the next CBA is still, what, four years away maybe? Post-Betman, hopefully, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would uh, – I don't know. You know, that's a great question, Newman. I think right now, uh, even though everyone thought that it was going to uh, – uh, that it was that, that it was whoa that it was going to uh, um, benefit maybe the owners it, it actually benefited the players and with that um, calling in right now we've got wow smoke what is going on with your phone my man Brian yes uh, what's going on with your phone nothing buddy what's going on it's windy yeah that's uh we're getting it it's just awful is there a place that you can go where um it's not as Hold windy on, i'm trying to get i'm trying to get behind a tree <laughs> okay you know what uh, we're, we're gonna try and make this work joining us right now joining our regner and i is brian smolinski smoke i'm gonna tell you the phone's just not working my man what that the wind is just howling through that phone okay all right, I'm good. That's a little better, actually. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Brian Smolitsky's joining us. Brian has over 1,000 NHL games. He's a prominent member of the Detroit Red Wing alumni. You know, we're glad to have you on. One of the things we're talking about this week, Smoke, is the fact that we've got the Meyer Classic, the LPGA Meyer Classic, coming up next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, through the weekend. Um, but Tuesday, they've got the Celebrity Pro-Am. And you are one of the celebrities. Have you done that event before? I did it last year with uh, with uh, with the Red Wings. Um, great event. I'm just happy to be called a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Smoke? Tell me a little bit about your career. You know, obviously everybody knows your name. You started out um, with the University of Michigan, correct? No, I went to Michigan State. Let's no, see, no, no, no. Uh, I like you, Smoke. That. Just yeah, pretend like you went to Michigan. Yeah. I went to a college in Michigan called Michigan State. Um, started my pro career in 1992 uh, when I was drafted by Boston in 1989, but I left Michigan State after my fourth year and went on to play uh, in, the, um, in the last part of the year. I played nine games at the end of the uh, 92-93 season with Boston and, um, and played in the first round of the playoffs against Buffalo and eventually lost to Buffalo in the May Day goal. The Brad May, uh, you know, beat oh. beat Don Sweeney, beat Ray Bork, beat uh, Andy Moog. It was, uh, to be honest with you, as a, as a player, it was pretty cool because it was a really neat goal when you look back at it. But obviously, uh, you know, it, it stung a little bit. You know, I think, you know, something like that helped me, propelled me a little bit because I knew what I had to take and I knew what I had to do in the offseason to, to kind of maybe make the team. You know, stayed there for a couple of years, eventually went on to Pittsburgh, uh, played with the greats. Um, you know, we lost in the uh, conference finals game seven to Florida. We eventually lost to Colorado. Wasn't then, Jason uh, Woolley on that Florida team? Who's that? Jason Woolley? Yeah, I believe he was on that Florida team. That was the one with the yeah. rat, correct? Yeah, Wolves was on that team, Van Beesbrook. Um, you know, they had uh, 
they had a really good veteran team, and uh, and it was it was it was an unreal uh, series. And then uh, after that, um, you know, went into a little contract dispute and made my way to uh, Pittsburgh or uh, I'm sorry, Long Island for three years, and um, which was a little bit hellish. That's kind of where I lost my hair. You know, everyone, <laughs> if everyone knows who I am, I'm a little bald, and you know those uh, th- those years were a little. Uh, they were a test to your uh, ability for. You know, life after hockey, but um, you know, you're 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 trying to figure it out. We had you know a few owners that year, and you know, Mike Milbury was running the whole campaign, and you know, we went through a guy trying to buy it that had no money, and John Spano, and everybody knows that thirty for thirty. Hopefully, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. you know, off yeah. ESPN, and you know, was gladly to get out of there and move to LA, you know, for four years, which is an unreal place to play. You know, was uh, fortunate to play with or to uh, open the Staples Center, which is where they play now, and. You know, they have won numerous championships, both NBA and uh, in the NHL. And, you know, after that, and made my way to Ottawa through uh, through Chicago, through Vancouver, and uh, ended up in Montreal, where I finished my career. You know, one of the things you uh, you kind of glossed over, it, but I'm going to touch on it a little bit. You also played for the Vipers and the Motor City Mechanics. I did. I did. I had a, I had a contract dispute with Pittsburgh. Um um, played six games. Uh, this was right after the World Cup. Well, I was fortunate enough to be played in the World Cup. Uh, won at 96. And then uh, right after that, you know, was going through a contract dispute in, in Pittsburgh and played six games with the Vipers. And then uh, the lockout, um, you know, which brought me to, you know, the, the, the UHL, which was the Motor City Mechanics. And, uh, you know, myself, Chris Chelios, Darren Hatcher, Sean Avery, um, they, were, uh, they were kind enough to let us play. Brian, I wanted to ask you a question. Obviously, as you said, you attended Michigan State University. Um, you're from the Toledo, Ohio area, right? Or were born in that in that part of the country? That's correct. Yeah, just uh, south here, about an hour and fifteen minutes. It's just outside of Toledo, called Genoa, Ohio. Okay, so so yeah, so now I think anybody from Michigan that's driven, you know, is driven through through that city. I, I, I'm curious, the college route, being an American, uh, it seems that, you know, Austin Matthews, the number one pick, is an American. Obviously, Jack Eichel, Dylan Larkin, the evolution of American hockey. Do you look at you being maybe not so much a trailblazer, but one of the first to really become a, a, a major talent in the NHL and be an American star, kind of set the foundation for some of these younger kids? Well, you know, I, I appreciate the thought on that, but, you know, I look back, you know, a little bit further that, you know, some of, some of the guys that were older than myself would be like Joey Mullen, Phil right, Housley, right. Uh, you know, Tom Barrasso, you know, those two guys came out of high school and played in the NHL. You know, then you look at the likes of like Kevin Stevens and Craig Ganny, you know, those guys went to BC and, uh, you know, Ted Donato, Steve Hines, you know, BC, some Harvard guys. Um, you know, I think there was uh it was probably, you know, probably in the 85 to about 94 was an influx of college hockey players. Um, you know, Kevin Miller, you know, a Michigan State guy, Joe Murphy, you know, he was an old first round overall. Right, you know, he, right. uh, Craig Simpson was another player that played one or two years at Michigan State. So, you know, you're seeing the likes of those guys. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you throwing, throwing me in there. And then, uh, you know, when you look at our 96 team, you know, Chris Chelios, uh, um, you know, myself, John O'Claire. I mean, that whole team was pretty much uh, a team that had surfaced from some some form of college hockey. Um, you know, uh, Mike Richter. I mean, all those guys played, you know, Minnesota and Harvard and Yale. And uh, I think that would probably be, you know, Kevin Stevens and all those guys probably set the foundation 
And uh, I think we were the uh, we were the pillars that uh, led it to, to where it is today. Well, when I look at it, it, you know, most of those players you mentioned were Americans. But I guess what I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious to look at is that you know I, I know that the development program, which has now been around for uh, over ten years uh, in Ann Arbor in the beginning at the Cube, and now uh, in the uh, uh, at the old home of the Plymouth Whalers out there in you know the Plymouth area. Uh, I, I'm just kind of curious if you look at American hockey and, and the players that, that this country is now developing, uh, based maybe based on the development program where virtually a lot of the top Americans go these days, that the evolution of the game from when you started to where it is today, that you know the Americans are uh, really hockey is, is starting to, I think, not become a regional sport so much in this country as it is a national sport. I mean, Austin Matthews, I think his mother is is actually Mexican, and you know he grew up in in Arizona. Yeah, that, you know that's a great point, and it is becoming more national. You know, kids like you know I was watching the, you know the game the other night. You know, when Don Cherry does, uh, you know, a lot of the kids, and he he was doing a segment on the Black Aces, which are the players, you know, that play, uh, you know, that are with the team that just practice with the team but never play. And there was a kid that was from Anaheim, you know, from San Jose. You know, you got guys from Anaheim, like you said, Austin Matthews from Phoenix, and you know, guys are starting to come out of the woodworks from Texas and Florida. Uh, you know, even you know, the state of Washington. So, I mean, it is getting, re- you know, not so much regional, but it is getting very national and. And I, and I do believe that's from the development program. It's from, uh, you know, the USA hockey, you know, uh, you know, the NHL reaching out to USA hockey and just the way that they, they, uh, they run the grassroots program. So it's, it's unbelievable. Smoke, one last question before we let you go. Throughout your career, you played for a lot of teams. We know we give it to you and Kevin Miller a little bit. <laughs> but was there ever a time where you were close to becoming a Detroit Red Wing? I'll tell you, there was a big time uh, I almost came. It was uh, the year I was in Chicago, which was, uh, you know, right after the Ottawa year. Um, You know, I knew Chicago was only, you know, when I got traded to Chicago, I knew I was only there for a brief, uh, a brief stint. You know, they were just, they they just drafted, I think, Jonathan Taze. And I think Patrick Kane was coming into, uh, you know, that, that oncoming draft year. So I knew that they were trying to bulk up on draft picks. And, um, unfortunately, you know, that particular year, uh, my mother-in-law, had, you know, we had found out she'd come down with uh, lung cancer, you know, and you know, God bless her. She's not with us today, but you know, that was, that was the beginning of, uh, you know, and I, I knew some teams were, uh, were after me and Vancouver approached. I knew Marcus Naslin really well. We had played together in Pittsburgh and, uh, he was the captain there. And, and, uh, but I told, you know, Dale Callen, who was our GM, I said, Hey, call Kenny you know, Kenny Holland, see if we can get something, you know, see if we can work on something. And uh, he tried. I I will definitely say he tried. But uh, Vancouver was offering a second rounder where I think Detroit, my, you know, my going rate, they just thought I was worth a fourth rounder. So (laughs) it's like, that's okay. A fourth rounder is okay. I'm like, when, when is that second or fourth rounder ever going to play? You know, that was my big thing. And, you know, unfortunately it, uh, it, it never panned out. They, they took the higher pick and, and, uh, um, yeah, so that, that's about as close as I ever came to becoming a wing. But you know what? We're proud that you wear a winged wheel with us now. You're, you're great with the alumni. People love seeing you. I know you're short on time. You know, thanks for calling in. We're going to see you on Tuesday once again at the LPGA Meyer Classic. Well, my pleasure. I, I You know, anytime you guys want to do this, it's, it's my pleasure. I would have loved to have done a wing. I probably would have paid 
to have been a Red Wing, but unfortunately, you know, it's, uh, you know, I grew up in this area, and, you know, it would have been cool to get a Red Wing. You know, that's my career. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate the time, Smoke. Okay, guys. You guys enjoy it. Wow, that was like he was like in a wind tunnel. That was the old DFN days right there. We're going to take a <laughs> quick break. Uh, we'll be back in two shakes of lamb's tail, and we're going to talk to Eddie Mio a little bit. Years, you've been hearing me talk about the benefits of laser therapy at pain-free life centers of Michigan. But don't take my word for it. I brought a guest in to talk to you today, former Detroit Tiger pitcher Dave Rosma. So, Dave, talk about your experience at pain-free life centers. Everybody know my karate kick from 35 years ago. I've had a lot of knee pains. I came to you. Jeff, after a few treatments, made it feel better and stronger. And then I come back for another therapy. Dave, how long did it take for you to notice a difference in your pain level? The first day. The comfort level, the warmness, flexibility in my knee. It it gives you a positive attitude. Um, Emotionally, I felt better because I'm a golfer. I like to work out. It let me do these things. And the most important thing, I felt less pain. So, Dave, what would you tell the listeners to do to try to avoid the drugs, the injections, and the surgeries? If you're suffering from pain, try pain-free life centers because it helped me. Call 248-879-1100 or visit painfreelifecenters.com. I'm Thad out with Zot M59 Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. During our spring clearance event, you'll find the best deals in the D. Jeff, we know that, but we only have 30 seconds to tell the people. No worries. We made it easy by listing every vehicle in our massive inventory with the very best price we can offer on dealsinthed.com. Like leases starting at $129 per month or new Jeeps starting at $17.9. Thad, we need to hurry. Our 30 seconds is almost up. But dealsinthed.com is on 24-7, 365. Get there. This is a previously recorded episode. And we're back and on the line joining us now is Eddie Mio. Eddie, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm good. You know, we just got off the phone with Smoke, Brian Smolinski. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he said to say hello and send you all of his love. He misses you. And he knows that you're out celebrating. That's the effect I have on people. <laughs> yeah, he he saw you. He knows that you're out there celebrating after um, Hillary Clinton got the nomination. I know you're very excited oh. about that. You know, it's it's really strange. Uh, people don't know that the, after our last show, we had a very spirited uh, political discussion out in the parking lot, and Eddie was so into Hillary, I thought he was going to punch Newman. And I, Newman likes Hillary, too. It was unbelievable. <laughs> You guys keep it up. I'll come back back on purpose. I'll drive three and a half hours just to beat you both up. You you mentioned her name one more time. (laughs) Eddie, one of the things we're talking about on this show, you know, we've got Dean Kolstad right after you, is we're talking about the LPGA Meyer Celebrity Classic. That's coming up next week in the Celebrity Pro-Am, and you are one of the celebrities. You played in the event last year. You know, what um, What persuaded you to uh, go back again this year? You threatened me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was a good time. Uh, you know, last year was, it was good because I got, I got to meet Jeff Blashill on a one-on-one, Glenn Denning. These are kids that, uh, you know, I admire. And, uh, I even got to talk to Jimmy, I think. Uh, but anyways, it, it's just a fun time that you get to meet so many different people. And I've always said that 
doesn't matter what charity it is. When we were all growing up, uh, well, I mean, starting out our seasons uh, and, and finishing the season, uh, we would always play in these charity events because you never know who you're going to meet and, and so many good people. And when I was uh, representing these young kids, and I'm back in the business now, I always said play as many of these charities as you can. Number one is you're helping the charity. Number two is you're meeting good people. And number three, you never know what which one of those people are going to be down the road when your career finally has to come to an end that may help, you know? So that's one of the reasons I try and do all of them. But the LPGA for me was a little, uh, I, I wanted to meet all those good looking young uh, professional golfers, which, which Newman deprived me of part. He put me with four guys. <laughs> Smart move there by Newman. I, I have to say, well, you know what? I'm going to tell you after the, um, I saw that love affair developing too, with you and Lou Whitaker, I was like, you know what? <laughs> we need to keep him with people that will be entertained. Well, actually, I, I had a good group, and believe it or not, there was uh, the head buyer for Myers uh, for liquor, and I was with Valentine. Uh, one of the other guys was uh, high up on Glazers, which is a distributor in Ohio. Uh, so I got, I made a lot of business connections, and that's what I was just saying. You never know who you're going to meet by playing in these things. But the, I think the most important thing, too, is you're helping a charity out, okay? And, and I think nowadays some of these players now feel they never have the time to go out. And I understand it's a long afternoon, okay? Five, six hours, and it's the off season. And, but you know what? How can you get when you're out on a golf course and it's a nice day and you got a good group with you? How does that not you know, parlay into helping a charity. I mean, plus have fun. So uh, for me, like like you said, Newman, it wasn't you invited a bunch of us. You were working for, I think, the, the, the association. Huh? And I had a heck of a time last year. So I'm looking forward to uh, this week coming, Monday well, and Tuesday. One of the things that we were if just I, talking about. If I ever get back from young, uh, Youngstown. Right. What are you doing in Youngstown, Ohio? What, what are you up to now, anyways? Well, as, as we know, I think when Jason Willie was on the air two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I am back in the agent business again. Um, I'm working with Dan Milstein, who is Pavel Dexter's agent. Mm-hmm. And we all know Pavel's leaving, so he wants to get, he's having so much fun and he wants to get a little bit bigger. So he, what's that line from the uh, Godfather? Just when you think you're out, you get pulled back in. And uh, so I am here in Youngstown uh, for the Youngstown Saddles. Uh, it is a uh, USHL team, junior team. And we have two kids from Belarus that were drafted by them that were trying to place over here that are going through this year's draft. So uh, I'm here at the goalie camp I'm trying to learn stuff. You know, one of the questions I had last week, um, people that had listened to your diatribe, for lack of a better word, about the new goalie coach for the Detroit Red Wings, they were talking about uh, Jimmy Bedard. And they were like, well, Jim Bedard didn't have any NHL experience either. Um, yes, he did. Yes, he yes, did. Yes, he did. That's where you guys are wrong. That's correct. He played for the Washington Capitals. 
See, and I wanted to make sure that you understood that I was out there defending because it took me a little bit of research to figure that out also. But I just also wanted to let you know that there was a lot of people that sent me messages that agreed with your take on that. Have you came off that at all? Well, no, I, I agree. But guess what? What's that saying that uh, somebody's discarded items become somebody's, you know, fortune? Uh, I, get, I am glad to say that Jim Bedard is now working with our agency as a part-time No kidding. Scout. That's great. Yeah. So we're going to, I think what the game plan now is for me and Jimmy to develop a goaltending um, agency just representing the goaltenders among our other guys. So I'm proud to say I've, I've known Jimmy for a long time. Uh, I like what he does. Uh, I'm sure he'd still rather be with the Red Wings for having so many years. But like I said, uh, somebody's, I guess to say somebody's garbage is uh, someone else's fortune. Um, so uh, Jimmy and I are going to be working closely together. And, and, uh, and he's only part-time, but, it, but I'm glad we, we got him. But I'm still under that impression that, you know, uh, I understand Mrazek, uh, uh is a young guy that worked with this guy in Grand Rapids. He only worked for him two years. But my biggest problem, I think I told you in, our, in the parking lot, was why are we bending over for a young guy? Okay. Is it is it the fact that Jimmy did so bad? No, I don't think so. Goaltending was not the Red Wings' problem, okay? Did Jimmy Howard maybe not turn out the way we want him to? Maybe not, but he's still not a bad goaltender. Where does that fall on Jimmy? So whether there's other things, factors that we don't know about, but I, I still st- stick to my guns uh, from two weeks ago that I feel that Jimmy uh, should not have been let go. Uh, but, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm, I might be in the minority. I'm not sure. Well, it seems to me from what I've been able to hear is that, uh, uh, that you know, obviously Peter Mrazek uh, might be a little bit more of a handful uh, as, as far as coaching and not that he's uncoachable but thinks he already has it figured out because he has been so successful at, other, uh, at every level. So uh, I think that that might have been part of the issue. And, and I, and you know what, I, the, the more I hear about this art, I, I tend to think you're right. You're absolutely right. That the kid thinks he's figured it out. Well, guess what? I, I think he's got a long way to go. <laughs> and, uh, but you know what, in saying that, we wish him all the best. He's, he's our guy. Uh, we got to go with him. Uh, depending on what happens to Jimmy and when he gets traded in, at the draft or whatever, but Still, we got to get behind our team. Whatever happens in the front office, that's their their, their business, okay? Uh, but at the same time, the front office has to equate to what happens on the ice. So hopefully this is a good move, uh, you know, for, for at least Morazic, and maybe he feels comfortable with uh, this new guy. I don't even know who the new guy's name is, but uh, whatever it is, uh, I wish them all still the best. I'm not just because Jimmy was fired. I'm not going to be uh, uh, negative towards the Red Wings, no, no, nor negative towards this new goalie coach. Well, as I mean, long as you're, it's, it's his chance to shine. As long as you're not negative towards me, Eddie, uh, I think we're all good. And well, with... Art, Art's in the good books. Newman, you're still <laughs> on that border. All right, with that, Eddie, we're going to let you go. Uh, we got Dean Colstead coming up. 
Um, appreciate you calling in, and you know we're going to yeah. see you back in studio, and I'll definitely see you on Tuesday on the golf course. You got it, bud. I'll see talk you. to you guys later. Take care, Eddie. All right, and with that, we should have Dean Colstead on the line. Dean, you with us? I sure am. How are you? Hey, Dean, thanks for calling in. Always good to hear from you. Thanks. Glad to, glad to be on the show. You know, one of the things we've been talking about, um, and we've had Smoke on, and we just had Eddie, as you unfortunately had to hear, um, we've been talking about the LPGA Meyer Classic that's coming up on Tuesday, and you're, um, you're a special guest this year for the Celebrity Pro-Am. Are you looking forward to it? Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be a great event over there. Uh, the Grand Rapids area and, and all of West Michigan has done a great job in supporting uh, that event, and uh, I can't wait to get over there and play in the Pro-Am. So, you know, looking at your career, Dean, and it's a name that most people have heard of, just not necessarily familiar with, you know, talk a little bit about your career in hockey and then how you transitioned into what you're doing now. Sure. Um, I grew up in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, grew up watching Eddie and uh, and the great Oiler teams of the, the mid-80s and uh, late-80s, and some say probably the best hockey team ever assembled with Gretzky and Messier and Glenn Anderson and Paul Coffey. I mean, the list goes on and on. And uh, I played hockey in the the Western uh, Hockey League in, in Western Canada. I played for Westminster and Prince Albert Raiders. Um, got drafted by Minnesota and ended up here in Kalamazoo. Uh, for the most part, uh, while I was playing, I figured at some point I wouldn't be playing hockey anymore. And I uh, had to find a job, so I enjoyed playing golf and uh, went to PGA school while I was still playing in the latter part of my career and got my PGA card, and, and uh, I've been running a golf course for the past 23 years here in West Michigan. You know, you made the switch, essentially from an NHL standpoint, of going from the Minnesota North Stars to the San Jose Sharks. How much of a difference was that when it comes to pro hockey going from Minnesota to California? Well, it was a, it was a big deal. Um, obviously, just coming from Western Canada and the, and the popularity of hockey in Canada at the time, and then uh, going into Minneapolis, which was a was a hockey hotbed. Um, the high school hockey there in Minnesota, if people don't realize, is outshines the professional hockey. Uh, tenfold it's it's just a real popular thing and uh going out to to san jose the first year and being at the cow palace in san francisco uh certainly was a big switch uh the fans were crazy um just to have you there uh the facilities weren't that great now they're at you know right in san jose and they have a state-of-the-art facility and uh, they got a great fan base, and uh, everyone loves to go out there and play. So are you following the Sharks now in their um, quest to try and unseat the damn Pittsburgh Penguins? Well, you know, I watch I watch all sports now. I don't follow one particular team, um, but I enjoy watching the finals of anything. Uh, I'll be watching the basketball tonight and, and uh, the hockey most certainly. Um, anytime there's a finals of any sport on, I, I tend to lean towards turning it on. I just like to watch uh, how people uh, handle the competition. You know, you, you stated earlier that you grew up in Alberta. Um, how did you end up just settling in Kalamazoo? 
Well, it's it turned out for me to be real good. Uh, I met my wife here um, when I was playing in Kalamazoo, and we ended up getting married and traveled around. But we always ended up coming back to uh, where she lived here in Kalamazoo uh, in the summer. And, uh, you know, we had a, an opportunity when I was at the end of my career to to move into the management side of things and the head coaching side of things. And about uh, three nights after I was offered that job, the, the people that own the golf courses here, um, the Gull Lake View Golf Courses, offered me the head professional job at Bedford Valley. And, you know, I said to my wife, what is it that you'd like to do? You've followed me around now for 10 years. Uh, this is going to be an ongoing thing if I take these other jobs or if we go back to the Kalamazoo area, um, we can settle down and, and start a family and, and a life. So that's what we decided to do. Dean, I, I want to ask you a question which might be kind of a, a dumb question to ask. As you know, We always uh, hear when a team is about to be eliminated uh, for the, uh, uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs or, or they don't qualify for the playoffs that the team's ready to ma- start making their golfing reservations or their golfing dates. But what is it about the game of golf in hockey players that they gravitate to? Because even Brendan Shanahan for years would fight picking up golf as a hobby. And then once he started, he couldn't stop. Uh, is it, I mean, the swings or I, I, I'm not sure, but it just seems that, you know, when you, when you speak to a hockey player somewhere along the course of the conversation, the game of golf always seems to come up. Yeah, I think I think the general motion of the golf swing and uh, you know, like say a slap shot, uh, is very similar. Um, I think the thing uh, that people miss when they're playing hockey um, is the camaraderie that everybody has with each other, and and that's kind of what golf brings. You know, we have a lot of people that come to our resort during the summer, sixteen, thirty-two, you know, groups of people that are coming from all over the state or all over the country to play golf together, whether they went to school together, whether they work together, what have you. And it's just a game that uh, can bring people together. Um, And then, of course, comparing it to hockey, it's the opposite season. So, you know, a lot of hockey players are looking for something to do where they hopefully can't get hurt um, and have a little fun doing, and that's where I think golf fits in. You know, Dean, you still skate really, really well, um, especially when um, I have the correct pairings for you on the defensive side. Um, how long have you been playing in the alumni games? I know it's just been kind of recently that you've been playing with us on the alumni for Detroit. Have you played alumni with other teams also? Um, over in Kalamazoo a little bit, um, on and off. We, we play uh, a few games every three or four years. Um I started playing with the Red Wing alumni actually quite a long time ago when Lee Norwood was the president. Uh, I was his assistant coach down in Texas, and uh, I retired a couple of years after after he left there. And he called me one day when I got back into Michigan and said, you should come out and skate a little bit. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I really appreciated the offer. And, and to make the drive over there to play with those guys every now and then, uh, is really a special treat for me. Well, I don't know if you've had the chance yet. I'm trying to rack my brain, you know, over the past three years. Um, have we paired you yet with Ally Afraidy? Uh Not with Al. Um, <laughs> I, I have not played in an alumni game with Al. 
but I'm sure we'd be uh, two of the bigger pairings. That That's what I'm That's thinking sure. about. That would be... Um... And, and he would make me really look good. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> All right. With that, Dean, we appreciate you calling in. We look forward to seeing you next um, next Monday night. You're coming in for the VIP gala, correct? Yeah, yeah, that'll be real exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, of course, teeing it up on Tuesday with whoever uh, is unfortunate enough to get me as a partner. Now, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, you know, we thank you once again for coming out, doing that. Look forward to seeing you. We'll see you on Monday night. Thanks, guys, for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, take care, Dean. We'll see you soon. Okay, with that, you know, one of the things are that we're talking about, you know, and um, I'm getting updates constantly right yes. now from Meyer on this celebrity um, event that we're doing. Um, so far right now, they've got confirmed Joe Koser, Dan Pohl, who's another right. PGA guy, Polcat, and that's a great story. Are you familiar with Dan Pohl's story at all? Not really. Comes in second in the Masters. He goes to a playoff. This is like 81 or 82 against Craig Stadler. Oh, wow. Right, he, he gets to the playoff. He misses the putt, Whoa. right? And so you know, but he had a decent PGA career. But my best story is like two years ago, we were doing the Red Wing Alumni Golf Outing, and Dan Pohl was playing with us. And you know, my son's looking at him. He goes, "Is that Polcat?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's lining up, and he's like, "You're gonna miss that putt, jackass." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Coaster Pohl. Uh, McCarty's going to be there. Brian Vander Ark, who's lead singer of the Verb Pipe. Right, great, great. Uh, Eddie Mio, as you know, Dean Colstad, Brian Smolinski, Sergey Samsonov. Mike Knubel's going to play. Peeker will be out there. Pat Peek. Wayne Presley, Kevin Miller, Darren Banks, Brent Fedick, Luke Glendenning from the current squad is playing. Herman Moore, Andy Meal from the Grand Rapids Griffins. Luis Mark Aubrey, he's from the Griffins also. Um, I know Lou Whitaker is playing. Helio Castroneves has confirmed. So we've got a nice group of guys coming out there. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, with that, we're going to take a quick break. After we come back, we're going to talk probably with Jeff Schneider from Zot Auto and then do our wrap-up. All right. I'm Jeff Morton from Pain-Free Life Centers. I'm here with former Detroit Tiger pitcher Dave Rosemont. Dave, how long did it take before you noticed any benefits from laser therapy? The first day. That's awesome. And how, how did you feel? It, it gives you a positive attitude. Um, emotionally, I felt better. Flexibility in my knee, and the most important thing, I felt less pain. And as an athlete, you'd be an authority on pain. I use my body a lot. I do a lot of batting practice at Comerica, and it made my knee flexible, felt stronger. It feels good to me, and the pain was gone. So now you've heard from an authority on pain. So what's your excuse? I challenge you to pick up the phone and start living a better quality of life pain-free. Call 248-879-1100 or go to painfreelifecenters.com. We're so confident in what we do, we're going to give you a free consultation and a free treatment. So Dave, what would you say to somebody suffering from pain? Try it for yourself because it helped me and I'm sure it's going to help you. Painfreelifecenters.com. Do it today. I'm Thad Zot with Zot M59 Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. During our spring clearance event, you'll find the best deals in the D. Jeff, we know that, but we only have 30 seconds to tell the people. No worries. We made it easy by listing every vehicle in our massive inventory with the very best price we can offer on dealsinthed.com. Like leases starting at $129 per month or new Jeeps starting at $17.9. Dad, we need to hurry. Our 30 seconds is almost up. But dealsinthed.com is on 24 7 365. Get there. Great moments. 
are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. Not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can't. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team. Be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. back not that you went anywhere that's the old um dan patrick line you know we welcome people back but they didn't go anywhere we did um and i wanted to you know what real quick art um we've got the uh, lpga event next tuesday that's at egypt valley in grand rapids um tickets are available on that and i think you're free to wander the course and see some of the celebrities out there oh, that'll be good July 18th, the uh, Detroit Red Wing alumni golf outing. You can look at that on the Detroit Red Wing alumni website, which is redwings.com backslash alumni. Hmm. Um, Joe Koser softball is coming up. That's August 27th. We'll have more details as we go along on that. One of the questions I had for you, Art, because I thought about you the other day. I was listening to Matt Shepard. Um, uh, it was yesterday, as a matter of fact, and you filled in on Monday. I right, on Monday, yes. Right, so I was listening to Matt, and Matt had sour grapes. Um, did you know he was as down on Muhammad Ali as he is? No, I never knew that. I never knew that. I, I'm so, actually kind of surprised, actually. He was, the whole, the crux of the conversation is whether or not, uh, well, he had lost respect for Muhammad Ali after the uh, his refusal to enter the draft. Like a, being a draft dodger, even though he was a conscientious objector. Correct. And if you understand the concept, um, Keith Olbermann in his book, when they did the Big Show book, uh, which is great on audiobook if you ever get a chance to do it, he articulated also that when Muhammad Ali was drafted, he was 27 years old, where the average age of the draftee at that point was like 20. Right, and he and he was... Lowest classification. I don't think he was 4F, but like 1E or whatever. I, you know, I don't know how that works. I'll be honest. I mean, you know, I never had to get drafted, so I, I have no idea. But, you know, but then they changed his classification to make him 1A. And then he, uh, you know, then he got drafted at 27. So people were thinking that, you know, something fishy was going on there. Well, I think we can all agree something fishy was going on there. <laughs> and they never expected him to, you know, not report and for him to well maybe they expected him not to report and they could make it a bigger deal i don't know in today and i don't want to say it's a politically correct society but do, do you find it strange when people are still harboring this view against muhammad ali like he's jane fonda and i don't want to go into the whole jane fonda discussion well i i think that you know i think ali was was born at the right time and for the age of television as articulate as he was, uh, you know, I said this on the air and I believe this. I believe Howard Cosell really helped 
bring Muhammad Ali into the mainstream. Agreed. Yeah, you know, because of the, the their interviews were classic and they had fun, and and he knew that Ali was you know for most intent purposes a good guy. And I guess, and I'm paraphrasing it here, my favorite quote. That, you know, over the weekend where people were just doing all kinds of quotes, you know, I, I posted my favorite thing was when I was a little kid, I could still remember him saying it, you know, summer, winter, spring or fall. I'm the greatest of them all, you know, and so and, and so I tw- I tweeted, you know, summer, winter, spring or fall. He is the greatest of them all, you know, uh, when, when I heard and then R.I.P. Muhammad Ali. But um, I, I think, you know, it, it was something that I read, you know, on social media and I should have like shared it or liked it or something because he it was if if a man still feels the same way at 50 when he was as he was when he was 20 years old then he's not really a man he didn't grow you know he's not growing he's not growing and you know and i thought that and that says a lot about him i mean i'm not going to say that he regrets anything he did as a young person or anything like that and and i've always said this if we shouldn't have you don't have shouldn't have to apologize for your adolescence or when you were young and you did everyone did dumb when you were young and stupid right because unless you know you were you know a serial killer you know i mean you 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 know you went above the law you know what i'm saying i mean if you were just did dumb things like young people do usually as you get older you know and i think i might have told you this this is kind of put in context and i think muhammad ali and I might have to, I might have said this before. One of my favorite jokes was Bill Maher was on before he became politically incorrect, and he talked about turning thirty years old. And his parents wanted to give him a thirty-year-old birthday party because he was thirty. He didn't want to have it, but it was his parents, so he has it. He says he's sitting at this this birthday party, the TV's on, and he and his dad are watching the news. And some young kid comes on, on the you know on the news, and he's you know complaining, you know pissing and moaning and bitching about stuff and all this kind of stuff. He says, and so Bill Maher says he's watching, his dad's watching, his dad starts screaming at the kid on the television. Bill Maher starts screaming at the kid at the television, and then he stops. Bill Maher stops, he looks at his dad, and he looks at the kid on the television, and the realization comes to him, his dad isn't getting any cooler. You know, and I started laughing, meaning because he was turning into his father before his very own eyes and he didn't even realize it because, you know, you would think, you know, you know how it is, the generation gap, you're always going with the young people. And here he was finally with his dad. And I think that, you know, Muhammad Ali, because he believed in intolerance and social justice, and I, I think that back then when, you know, when we, or when I was younger, you know, and graduating from high school in the mid seventies and college and all that, it was more of an accepting tolerant society because so many people didn't want to go to Vietnam. It was so fresh today because the world has changed in terrorism and nine 11, I would say that this country is much more into the military and patriotic when it was when I was young. Because Vietnam was such an unpopular, it was so divisive. Yeah, yeah, it was such a divisive an issue, and so many things were coming to the forefront. Civil rights happened in the mid '60s. Uh, you know, abortion laws were changing. I mean, you know, everything was just going on and on and on. And I guess my point being is, is that I think I'm not surprised the way the environment is today. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm not, and I'm not trying to make a political statement here. I'm not surprised that people hold quote unquote, that what they believe Muhammad Ali being a draft dodger, I, I'm not surprised that people feel that way, c- considering the the environment in this country and how you know vital and important and how people have embraced the military 
these days, and rightly so, as opposed to when we were younger, and it was not the cool thing. You know what? I, and I'll tell you that. I've got my own feelings on that. And, um, most people that know me know that, you know, I'm a veteran. I have two combat tours. Right. Right. And so they're always shocked when they learn my political affiliations and my political leanings. You know, and we were talking the other day, you know, about the Muhammad Ali and the uh, draft dodging and everything else. Um, one of the things that I've always made the point, you know, the rise of the Tea Party, you know, all the people that just hate, you know, the, the current president. These right. are the same people that grew up in the 60s that saw the change and saw civil rights and they in their entire lives could never believe that a black man would be president of the United States. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, you know, and I want to say I have Michael Heron who covered boxing and longtime veteran sports reporter now works for DetroitLions.com. And Mike told me a story that Ali Frazier fight one. He was on guard duty. And I guess maybe back then they they piped the you know it was on pay per view it was a Monday Armed night. Forces um Armed Forces Radio Network has all the fights right right so they had all the fights he says he's sitting there he said and he goes I don't know if this was at every base or where he was but he was at a big base I don't know if it was in Germany or exactly where uh, that well over ninety percent of the soldiers the soldiers were cheering for Muhammad Ali against Joe yeah, Frazier absolutely. you know and, and here's a guy supposedly that shunned military service, yet these soldiers, these guys who were, you know, carrying the water, so to speak, uh, as yourself, Newman, you know, I mean, you know, and, and I, you know, and I, I've never said it publicly, but, you know, thank you for your service. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's people like you that give guys like me the opportunity to be behind this microphone, and, I, and I'll never, I, I won't forget that. And, uh, uh, but, you know, and Mike said, you know, that was... That just goes to show you the impact that he had, and you know that's that's true. And so uh, he was a legend. You know, he was. He was. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I can't say he'll be missed because I think we've missed him for the past ten years. He's been out ever since '96, the Olympics. You know, he's kind of been out of the public. He had that resurgence back at uh, like in '99 when he was named. Uh, no, uh, 2000. Yeah, 1999, going into 2000, Athlete of the Century, when Sports Illustrated did. If you want to find out how he is, I think maybe I think I knew this, I think you knew this. He lived in Berrien Springs, Michigan for right. 30 years. Yes. I mean, he was really a resident of our state for, you know, a good portion of his of his life. 30 years he was there. You talk to the people in Berrien Springs and how, you know, he would always go down there and, uh, you know, with people talk to the fishermen. And, you know, he was just Muhammad Ali. He was a good neighbor. Let's put it that way. A good citizen. So, you know, and, and I think that it's not so much what you say about yourself, what your legacy is. It's what others say about you. Agreed. And, and I think that mostly it's, you know, I think that his legacy and, you know, maybe Joe Frazier, you know, and I love Joe Frazier, too. I really did. Uh that you know, that Joe Frazier probably wasn't his biggest fan. Maybe no. Well, you know uh, the whole gorilla thing right, and everything. Right, you know right, you're right. going through. But but uh, for the most part, he was well respected. Well, with that, you know we're running out of time. You know, wish I had more time. I wanted to get into your uh, prolific authoring lately. Art, thank you once again My for pleasure. sitting in on Anytime, the show, Newman. I love it. You know so that. we're gonna have it. Um, we'll probably see you in a couple of weeks. We got um couple week break coming up. But we'll talk to you soon. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Red Wing Alumni. This is a previously recorded episode.